Don't they know who I am? How dare they treat me like that? It's like they thought I was a regular person. I put in the time to get where I am now. It's not like I just walked in off the street. They didn't do anything to show that they appreciated me for who I am. They didn't show the respect that I am due. I've got status. I am important. And still, they made me wait in line, just like everybody else. Don't they understand that I am the proud owner of a Burrito Alito card here at California Tortilla? <laughs> VIP! Have you ever felt like that? Slighted, put out, because people failed to recognize you for just how great you are. Maybe you are not a burrito elito like me. I mean, not, no, actually everybody can be a burrito elito. You don't actually have to do anything to get this card. But there you are, in a situation, maybe it's a conversation with a coworker, maybe an argument with your parent, Maybe talking with a friend at school or waiting for a table at a restaurant, standing in line at the supermarket. There's something about those times when you feel like you are not getting what you deserve. That somehow, some way, people are failing to properly appreciate you, people's institutions alike. But what is it? In today's epistle, James wrote, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Jealousy and selfish ambition, wanting what others have, setting yourself above other people. It seems like those are pretty much the motivating forces in our society. You know, we're a part of that society. We are a part of that culture. And jealousy and selfish ambition can find their way to make a home in our hearts just as easily as anywhere else. You've got an enemy within you, that part that wants to be in charge of everything, that part that wants to take God's place. It's cooperating with the devil to try to turn you away from God, to turn you away from good. It wants you to pursue what James calls friendship with the world, to join in the rebellion that would turn you against your creator, the rebellion that lies behind jealousy and selfish ambition. And the scary part of it is that it is insidious. That persuasion sneaks into your heart and into your mind under the pretense that it is seeking what is good, that it is seeking what will make you happy, what will make you successful. It whispers your praises, encouraging you to think of yourself first to make sure that you are getting your due. VIP. 
before long. You might be upset that the world around you has failed to appreciate your status as a burrito alito. Or more seriously, you'll forget that the world was never really going to be your friend. It's your enemy. You live in a world that wants you to be an enemy of God. I try to make sure that my sermons are tied into a specific time and place. They're not generic, but this hostile setting in which you and I find ourselves today is not specific to this calendar year. It's not native to the nation in which we live. The broken world of which humanity is a part, that broken world has been our enemy ever since we broke it. We broke it by choosing to doubt God's love, his grace. Now, that being said, we Christians in America might be feeling less comfortable when we live out our faith as time marches on. The culture around us is increasingly open to rejecting Jesus as Savior, even rejecting the need for a Savior in any shape or form. But the opposition that you and I might face here pales in comparison to the hardship, to the outright persecution that our brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing in other parts of our world. As the world rejected Jesus, so it will continue to reject his disciples. You have an enemy without. And Jesus knew what waited for him as he journeyed towards Jerusalem in today's gospel text. He told his disciples, but they didn't understand. It's possible that part of their lack of understanding might have come from what seems to have been preoccupying their minds as they journeyed following along with him. Who is the greatest disciple? Following Jesus, they were thinking of themselves. Who is the VIP? Now they're missing the point, aren't they? But we too often get caught up in the wrong things. Even as we stand on this side of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Our focus is within. We get preoccupied with our own self-importance when that focus should be turned without. You and I are each tempted to think of ourselves as the VIP, relying on our own sense of what's right, what's best, relying on our own strength, relying on ourselves for hope. But why are we trying to do it all ourselves? Why are we even diving headlong into jealousy and selfish ambition? Well, Jesus lovingly redirects his disciples. He brings a child among them to make a point. Now, in the first century world, children had far less standing than they do in our society even today. They had no status. They had no prestige, no authority. People did not look to a child and say, there's a VIP. They couldn't do anything for you. The child was totally dependent on his parents to provide for his well-being, for his future. But children such as those are VIPs in the kingdom of God. 
they can look to God for their hope. And you can too. God delivers for those who have no hope in and of themselves. Look to God. See how he provides without. And we ask our Lord to give us this day our daily bread, reminding us that it is God who gives us everything that we need to support this body and life. God is at work to physically care for you and me in the midst of a world that is seeking to turn us away from him. He even brings us into community in his church. He gathers us together and he calls us to receive each other just as we would receive Jesus. Because that is exactly what is happening every time we do. Look to God. See how he provides within. God has called you to repentance from jealousy, from selfish ambition. For when you've sought friendship with the world instead of seeing others as people who are more worthy of your care and compassion. God gives forgiveness, wiping out the debt that our self-centeredness has built, sending that Savior who willingly goes to his cross to take the place for us, to give up his life for you and for me. Because he knew that we needed a Savior. And God gives hope. He gives the assurance that he cares enough about you to be your servant, to welcome you into his kingdom without any merit or any doing on your part. James' letter of encouragement to people who follow Jesus points us to gentleness and humility rather than worldliness. He paraphrases Proverbs 3.34 when he writes, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In the choice of humility, we depend on God to provide within and without. Instead of the the discord and disruption that comes from jealousy, from selfish ambition, God gives the humble good gifts, gifts that we could never deserve. He gives peace. Jesus calls us to follow him, not as VIPs, but as humble servants who care selflessly for others in Jesus' name. He told his disciples, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. That's why we ask those questions. What good can we do around here? How can we be ministering for others through prayer? God puts opportunities for service before each of us in our families, in our schools, and workplaces, in our neighborhoods. In his grace, God frees you and me from slavery to self-importance, moving us from jealousy and selfish ambition to service. So who are those real VIPs that God is calling you to serve? Don't look within for hope. Look without. Look to Jesus. Amen.